This episode of Smoke Screen Podcast is brought to you by Creative Designs and More. It's Creative Designs, the letter N, more. Check out Wanda at Creative Designs and More on Facebook, or you can also check out on TikTok at C Wanda B. That's S E E Wanda B. The letter B, man. I'm going to tell you, y'all see my lighters I have, man. She does a great job. Any kind of party favor you need, come into your party to design it. Just let Wanda handle it, and I bet you she'll make it right for you. I promise you, man. Knock on wood, man. I promise you, dog. I would not lie to you. You ain't never lied to you on smoke screen, man. Make sure you're checking out Creative Designs and more, man. Wanda will set you straight. I promise you we'll get you right, man. Make sure you're checking it out. And that's for our sponsors for today's episode. Let's go ahead and get this biz over. Reporting live down in the Maysville News Center, KBD, the artist known as Mr. Big, were to be released from prison today and has caused an... Ah, uh, yeah. You already know what it is, man. Yeah, you hear that intro. I got a good one for you today. I got my little sister on today, though. Kirsten on. But before you get into this episode, y'all know the song, man. Go ahead and turn it up. Take this song. I started selling dope back in 1986. I bought a Cadillac and put them things on that bitch. The brains blowed out with the white leather seats. Females feeling for that butter, cause that other shit is weak. I was only 17, had the neighborhood hook. Had them still in they crib, cause my crack tastes like ribs. I'm up in the morning with the rest of these rookies. You out here selling them dimes, bitch, I'm out here selling them cookies. I'm flying out of town, getting them things for 12, 5. 400 for an ounce and 650 when it's dry. Pyrex dishes in the motherfucking kitchen Word around town, Mr. B got them chickens That nigga bought a house for a small by the lake And gave his grandma since the key to the safe Them jealous ass niggas and them hoes start hating To see my little sister drive a bitch to graduation I'm tripping on that Hennessy and I'm smoking on them buds I still got love for them niggas selling them dubs I remember when I used to do the same shit Buy a half ounce and cut it up and sold a block up I can't put my Glock up, my Glock is my hoe, and my hoe go everywhere I go. Which one of you fake ass niggas wanna harm me? I said you better bring the Navy, cause I'm finna bring the Army. Get your 12 white folks and take that shit to trial, bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Screen Podcast, man. It's your partner, 91 Smoke, here on this beautiful Beautiful, beautiful dog. Monday morning, July twenty fifth. Man, oh man, I can't tell. I can't call it, bro. I can't call it. As you can hear in my voice right now, I'm way better than I was a couple weeks ago, man. Always knocking on that wood, dog. But today I got a great one for you. You know, on the intros when I have a guest on, I don't hold you too long on it. I got a great one for you today, dog. I got my sister, as I said, Kirsten, man. I met Kirsten back about twenty. Oh man, about twenty. 14 something like that 2015 something like that man 2013 probably somewhere around somewhere around that dog and uh she was in high school i was working at Publix, me and me and t and she was just like our little sister bro and just seeing her grow up uh graduating from florida state man and just doing her dang thing dog being a flight attendant out here you'll hear her talking about her life as a flight attendant man mental health man i'm gonna tell you she made me realize that being a flight attendant, you really got to be a Swiss Army knife, bro. Really, really, truly, though. I was just thinking this. I meant to say in the episode, but I was. You really think about it, bro. A flight attendant, dog. I think the president, next president might need to be a flight attendant, bro. Because some folks, you really think about it. You up there in that air. 
they they over your life up there in the air, dog. They the doctor. They the doctor. They the the nurse. They the they the the, the caretaker for you if you get sick. You know what I'm saying, bro? Why you up there in the air? You ain't on no ground. You can't call the ambulance real quick. Ain't no air ambulance gonna pull up to the airplane and get you off, bro. They got to be there to help you, bro. And if in a situation, you know, God forbid, happen on the airplane, they got to be there to take care of it, bro. And Dog, that's why they got to be a Swiss Army knife, bro. And I got nothing but respect for for doggone flight attendants now, bro. Flight attendants, I already had respect for pilots, but you know I didn't know what a flight attendant. I just thought maybe they they serve, they give you drinks, they tell you to put the life vest on, they tell you about the emergency road. But nah, hearing about this, man, hearing Kirsten really talk about um life as a flight attendant, dog. I really think, man, flight attendants, bro. I would like the next president maybe to be a flight attendant. That's just smoke. That's just Brandon. I'm just saying. But, man, welcome back, man. I thank y'all once again, dog. It's a great episode right here, bro. Um, I, I can't call it, bro. It's a great episode, dog. You know, Kirsten, she does a great job with just telling the story, man. Really great episode, dog. So I ain't gonna hold you too much longer, man. Always remember, man, no episode of Smoke Screen Podcast is dated. Nothing's dated. You can go back and listen to Digging in the Ashtray, maybe, but you need that Florida news. Knock on wood by that. Keep a pen in that. But you need that Florida news uh, for Digging in the Ashtray. But the other episodes, they're not dated, man. They're not dated. I put the, the, the date stamp on there. That's for my personal reference. I told you it's therapy for me. Hope it's therapy for you on Smoke Screen Podcast. I appreciate y'all once again, man. Always remember to check out Creative Designs and more. Um, Check out Lofty Brands E. Check out uh T Amway store. Um I I post all these links, man. Um just check out all my partners, things they got going on. I know I did this last year, but always respect our hoopty out here, man. Always respect our hoopty because we respecting yours, dog. When I say respect our hoopty, um this the car that I'm driving uh down the road on right now. This ain't the car that I want to get on Sunset Sunset Boulevard. This is the car that I'm just in right now. This is my vehicle, my podcast right now. But this ain't the lasting thing. So respect my hoop. It's a hoopty right now. We're trying to build it up. But respect my hoopty, man. I appreciate y'all once again, man. Continue to walk with faith. Keep a pen in that one too. Walk with faith, dog. Don't walk out on faith, dog. Walk with faith, man. I appreciate y'all. Watch the words you say and be mindful of everything you're doing, man. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all, man. Got another great episode. Remember, in August, we're going to start the series, Soul, Soul Volley, uh, The Black Sun. We're going to start that series in August, man. And Arthur Ashe is the first person to title the episode of Soul Volley. Um, really, I really think everybody needs to listen to, about Arthur Ashe, man, and his life, man, and the great things that he's done, man, um, in the tennis world and also the world of uh, African Americans and the world of people, man, all together, dog. Um, I can't wait for y'all to hear that one uh, coming up in August. Um, and then September, we're going to have another person um, of black history um, for that month. Uh, but I just appreciate y'all once again. This Smoke Screen Podcast. It's just not a podcast. It's an experience, dog. Experience that everybody should enjoy at least one time in their life, dog. I'm just trying to put a good word out there, man, in any way that I can, bro. I appreciate y'all once again. Y'all have a good week, man. Stay healthy. Take your vitamins. Get your exercise in. Try to eat right as much as you can, man. But I tell you, I had to cook because Kirsten from Alabama, dog. So I had to cook some soul food yesterday, man. I cooked me and my wife some turkey wings, some rice. I had me some okra. She don't eat okra, Brussels sprouts. But I had to get real down south with it yesterday, dog, just to make sure this one come out a little bit more funkier than the other ones, man. I appreciate y'all once again, Kirsten. As always, dog, keep going, bro. I, I, I'm so proud of you, dog. We so proud of you, bro. Keep going, man. Keep going, man. Love y'all, dog. Be easy, man. Hey, man, stay healthy, bro. Love y'all.
got another great episode man i got kirsten man kirsten let the folks know a little bit about you before we get started i already did the intro so let, let the folks a little bit about you out of your words hey hey my name is kirsten sometimes go by k um i met brandon we we go way back um back at Publix on blairstone um back in tallahassee florida i look up to him as like my big brother um but yeah so um, I'm a flight attendant and, you know, just trying to figure this thing called life out. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kirsten, man, now you're a flight attendant. We don't talk about your occupation and what you do, but like, what was your educational background? What you got your degree in? So I went to Florida State University and I studied sociology and statistics. Um, a long time ago with that degree, I thought I would go to law school, but that didn't happen. Um you know but yeah life life happens um yeah how was your time at fsu um you know i pretty much just mind my business i went to class um you know did my my work and i went home like i didn't live on campus so i feel like i didn't get that full you know college experience because my people's lived in Tallahassee at the time. So, you know, I just went to school, didn't work, went home. Um, I was a part of Black Student Union though, um, my sophomore year of college. But uh, other than that, you know, I just stayed out the way, stayed low key. Hey, what B what is BSU all about? Black Student Union. So we just uh, really tried to work on you know, getting the black students together, focused on our creativity and different stuff, promoting, um, you know, wealth education and different things we might not have known about because, you know, we do, you know, as a black community have a disadvantage when it comes to stuff like that. A lot of people that were in the group were um, first time or first generation college students. So it was more so like a brotherhood sisterhood of like just black students looking out for each other. Now, it wasn't just all black. We did have like, you know, other people into the club and stuff but that was the main focus and one thing i gotta say i asked you that uh my mom she's uh she went to fsu in like 80 something but she's in the black student uh when they the black student union so they still she every home fsu homecoming she come up here um and uh i drop off up there what's the little building what's the building uh it's on tennessee street oh what's it's like off in the cut 
it's like a builder, like a, a union building or something like that. You mean but, union? Like right when you turn into FSU off college? Nah, it's like when you, when you go in down Tennessee Street and uh, you know where that uh, Burger King is on Tennessee uh-huh. Street? Like it's right there. It's like a like the president's house or something like that right there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about on the opposite side across from... Uh, yeah, across from, okay, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. across from the campus. But yeah, she uh, I always drop her off up there. She get a little black student union back, um, backpack or whatever. She's so proud of it. And her, <laughs> tickets, and her tickets, you know, she talk about all the, the people she uh, went to school with that she's still seeing. I'm like, oh, but this this must be really a, a really a strong organization to yeah. still be cool with people since the 80s and jump, bro. And you still see each other. Y'all was in dorms. And I guess that, that brotherhood and sisterhood, like you said, I, I wanted to hear from somebody, a younger person, to see what they had to say about BSU. Because yeah, yeah. we always heard about it at FAMU, but I ain't know nothing about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, like, um, for instance, like I said, I wanted to go to law school. Uh, so it was a lot of people in the group or, you know, like quite a few people in the group who were also interested in that. And like from that group, we formed our own little study group for uh, like the LSAT, which is a test you take to, you know, try to get admitted into law school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's different people and different friendships have formed. And I'm still actually very, very cool. uh, One of the guys that I was, um, in there with actually a lot of people we're we're very cool and we keep in touch to this day and it's good to see them all doing like great things yeah now like her you from alabama right oh yeah so is it roll tide or, uh, uh don't even make <laughs> <laughs> you know it's gonna be roll tide all the way and funny story um i actually like that was my school like i wanted to go to um I had gotten accepted and everything but um my family we had moved over to Tallahassee back in 2011 and so I actually got a full ride academic scholarship and um the only way I can like use it and they'll pay 100% of my tuition obviously was I had to go to a school in Florida which is how I ended up at Florida State University but at heart I'm still you know roll tide now, when you think Nick Saban gonna retire, dog? Because you be talking trash in football season, <laughs> especially you know, when Florida play. If we if we sneak around and play y'all somehow. You like to talk trash. <laughs> you know, um, he just had that contract extension, so he's gonna be here a few more years. You know, um, at least to about what twenty twenty eight, I think, is what it was signed to. Um, I know we have history go way way back, starting in like two thousand eight when y'all beat us. You know. Mm-hmm. And we redeemed ourselves 2009 so yeah it'll be interesting to see um but to be honest the last two years I have not watched football like honestly I have not done anything the last two years for obvious reasons but um yeah so it'll be interesting I'm actually very very excited to um for this upcoming football season get back into it you know Saturday's tailgating and everything with the family so see now just to ask you real quick, which team could can you not lose to? Auburn, Texas A&M, LSU, or if y'all play UGA again? You know, Auburn, that's going to always be a robbery game. Um, you know, that Saturday after Thanksgiving, we have that Iron Bowl. It is just like, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is we can lose any game but to Auburn. Like, you know, it'll be fine. But we cannot have other – fans here in Alabama talking trash to us everybody else on the outside doesn't matter but 
that Auburn hate is a little different. <laughs> so how did how did you feel when uh when they took that kick back, that field goal back? That, uh, you remember that missed field goal? How did you feel after that? You did know, you cry? You know what? <laughs> I don't even, to be honest, was that last year? Mm-mm. It was some years ago. Years when they ago. returned, yeah, when they returned that field goal, like Nick Saban. Oh, okay. He called a timeout, yeah. Yeah, and it backfired on us. Yes, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. You know, as any, like, Alabama fan, you're going to get up and you just going to turn off the TV. You don't want to watch that mess. <laughs> but, no, um, I, you know, that's the good thing about these games. Um, For me, uh, you know, it's all fun. Like, being in Alabama, you literally have two choices. It's either Alabama or LSU. And the smart people in my family, we're all Alabama fans. And then the others, you know, they got their team. But, you know, we don't judge. But at the end of the day, it's always, like, regardless of the outcome, a very, very good time. But, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That did hurt. I hurt so much. And then just, you know, having to hear that trash talking from the other side. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask you before we get into your occupation. Now, uh, one thing that I think is the coolest, the coolest crap ever, man, is that your family with the last Mister Big, man. If if you could uh, explain how you related to him. Yeah. So, um, clean side of the Mister Big. Family. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my great grandfather. Um who is now deceased, his name is Reverend J.C. Gardner. Um, His brothers and sisters, you know, which would be my great, great aunts, I think. No, 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 great, great, great aunts. Um, He's their grandson. So it'll be like my granddaddy's sister's son. That makes sense. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm country too. I, I'm country too, so I know how that, <laughs> yeah. that works. It's so many of us, so it confuses me because, like, my great-grandparents, they had 17 kids. And so, like, when I think of anything outside of that, like, family tree is like, hold on, I done lost generational counts. So, like, right now, actually, we have uh, five living generations uh, within my family right now, so... That's a, that's that's a beautiful thing. Resting out a lot of knowledge, dog. Just yeah, you like to soak up that knowledge. Oh yeah, for sure. Like my great grandma, she is ninety two, and so I mean, she's seen, experienced, and been through like a lot of things we see and we read about in the history books. So um, it's very interesting to get that perspective. My great grandfather that I mentioned a while ago, he was actually a part of uh, World War Two. So. It's nice. You got any family that was in the Tuskegee, uh, like Tuskegee Airmen? Uh, no. 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 I got you, dog. Hey, real quick, how how cool, bro, How cool is that being? Like you see everybody showing uh showing respect to your cousin, dog, with his music. Everybody know trial time, dog. It's so crazy because like places I just wouldn't expect. You know, just growing up, you know, it's like okay, here in Alabama he's a big deal, you know, but yeah. I've been like to Florida, New York, 
Texas and people are like playing the song and knowing the lyrics and I'm like that's major like I don't know if he realized how how big and successful he was and you know that he was everywhere but it's still a shock to me when I go out because like I'm blasting it like it just came out yesterday you know and I'm yeah. just down the street vibing and you know it's cool to like just unintentionally like just hear that from somewhere else and you know especially somewhere you're not expecting it so yeah it's it's really dope um yeah. impact he's he's made yeah man every time i uh i'm, I'm still i said i told my wife i said i was gonna uh do an episode where i try to find um kathy from tallahassee oh okay i try to search but i know that's not that's not gonna happen nobody probably know who kathy is uh but uh no let's get into your your job why i got you on here man um well your former job uh but you was a flight attendant how what what is that like man have you seen the show on hbo max called flight attendant i have not but like i actually want to look into that um i honestly don't watch tv really at all i've been i've been hearing a lot of good things about it and something that i should check out so um, one of these days, I'm going to give it a go. It is, believe it or not, on um, my to-do list. So I'm going to check that out. But uh, yeah, flight attendant, what got me here? Um, honestly, I was like, okay, so first of all, I love to travel. So pre-becoming pre a flight attendant or whatever, I would like travel all the time. And when I like first moved to Texas, I worked at uh, Hilton Hotels and you get like these very awesome discounts on hotels, right? And so um, 2021, I literally was just working at a hotel one or two days a week because I wanted the hotel discount so that I can, you know, continue to travel, but like stay in all these nice um, hotels and stuff. And so um, I was literally only working one or two days a week. And it was like when I went and got the job, because it wasn't like I needed it. Um, I was like, look, I can work on either like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But like those two days, three days max, that's what my schedule is going to be. And um, I think last year, 4th of July or something, it was some holiday. And I wasn't even supposed to be on the schedule because I didn't work weekends, like, you know, none of that. And so they ended up like just putting me on the schedule. And I'm like, nah, look, this doesn't work. And they're like, well, the other person, she has kids. So, you know, we, we can't make her come in because she has nobody to watch her kids. And I went in and I was like, this is going to be the last day I work for somebody. And they try to tell me what I can and can't work, you know. And so while I was there. I was just so upset. And I remember like a while ago, one of my cousins, she had told me, she's like, you love to travel. You should like be a flight attendant. But I never gave a second thought into it um, until that day. And so I randomly just like search flight attendant jobs, you know, something that's applying. And it was um, a window open accepted applications. And if you know, typically in the airline industry, it's very rare that applications are open. Um, so, I mean, I looked up applied maybe two weeks later had an interview um and then i i got the job on the spot so yeah. so you said that you said it's rare that um the applicate their um accept the applications yes yeah, so 
COVID has changed a lot of things, but pre-COVID, American Delta United Southwest, they usually on average open applications about every four to five years at that. And so now they're hiring a little bit more, more often now? Yep, now they're hiring a little bit more because um, due to COVID, you know, it was a lot of layoffs and stuff and they offered a lot of, um, you know, packages or whatever. Uh, and with that, like, so in the flight attendant industry or aviation industry, I should say, um, one of the perks of being a flight attendant is you get to like travel and fly anywhere in the world domestically for free and then if you want to go like outside of the U.S. out the country it's typically a fee but the fee is usually no more than about $200 max is the most I've ever seen it um and that includes like being first class though like round trips so you're never paying more than $200 to go anywhere if you work in the aviation industry so um what happens though when you get into the aviation industry um, is not like a normal retirement plan. So, in aviation, once your years of service and your age equals like between 60 and 65, depending on the company you work for, you'll automatically retire with lifetime flight benefits. So, say if I got hired at a company at age 55. And then I worked for 10 years at 65, working 10 years, I could retire and have all of my flight benefits. Well, when COVID happened, um, they allowed people to go ahead and take early buyout packages. And as long as you had been there, I think like six months at least, you go ahead and retire with all your flight benefits. So um, a lot of people took that deal. And with the uncertainty uh, uncertainty of COVID and everything, you know, nobody was ever sure how the economy would recoup and everything or recover. And now that it's kind of slowly, you know, traveling is picking up and everything, there are so many shortages across the airline industry. So now those applications are like opening and opening. I know like this year alone, I think American has opened their application window like three or four times. And like I say, that's super rare. They usually open about every four years. So, yeah. Like how many, do you know the like the number of flight attendants there were um, like in the uh, the company you were with? Um, So my company over American, it was over 32,000. Um, so everything in the airline industry is seniority based. And so um, and it's different bases you can be assigned to. And it'll tell you your category seniority, which is your base seniority. So all the people are who are at your base and I was Dallas based. Um, and then it has your like occupational seniority, which is your overall seniority. Um, so, yeah, you're competing with like people who have been there for like 50 years, 60 years. And it is such a fun job that it's so hard to leave it. It really is. So you have like we, we used to call them like the senior mamas and uh, dinosaurs. And those are people who have been there like forever and they just will not leave. And it's like we need you guys out so we can boost up our seniority, you know. So, so like is do you like I was just sitting here thinking like being a flight attendant got to our pilot gotta be like the most like inter like like I don't know it's like weird like you're not in one area you know like working at Publix you're working at Publix in Tallahassee or whatever city you're in or if you're working for the state or you're working for the state of Florida or the state of Alabama but with being a flight attendant it's like you're almost international 
Uh, yeah. Like how, how do they do it? Is it like by, by district? So how they do it. So we have bases and bases are uh, basically where you will start a trip and where you will end the trip. So, excuse me, I was Dallas based, for instance. So like on my day one and it's different types of days. So you could have a reserve day, you can come on with having a line. It, you know, it just, it all depends basically. Um, but if I have a trip and say it's Dallas day one, and let's just say I have an airport standby shift, I'll sit at the airport and let's just say an incoming crew, like they got delayed or something. And so we don't mess up all these other people that have a usually a lot of flight attendants sitting in base ready to just go hop on a flight. So sometimes we don't even know where we're going. Crew scheduling, they have our number and they'll just call and they'll, you know, you have to answer the phone. Um you know, and I think if you miss the call, you have like two minutes to call them back. It's super like, just really strict. And they'll call and they'll say, hey, flight attendant Turner, um, we need you to go to gate B-34. And sometimes they might tell you where the flight is going. And sometimes you honestly just don't know until you show up. So, um, you know, you'll get on that flight. And then you say if I have like a six day um I start day one in Dallas but then I might fly to Seattle or wherever else I fly to and then spend the night and, and it doesn't matter you could have anywhere from like a two-leg flight or a one-leg flight which would mean you would go somewhere and then overnight or I think the most I've had is maybe like four legs in a day and um you know, you'll start in Dallas, but every single night thereafter, you're staying in a different city. And then um, on your last day, they fly you back to Dallas to uh, our back to base to Dallas, and then you're released. And so you do whatever you want at that point. But every trip is always going to end and start at your base. Oh, that's crazy. So how, what, like, how long have you just had to sit there at the airport and wait? Oh, let's not talk about it. Um, so about like eight hours. Um, and some days like you just don't get used. Some days like, you know, you might have a trip or I might already have a trip pre-assigned to me and that flight could be delayed. And I don't, you know, like I can't do anything if they don't assign me a new trip or anything. I'm just sitting there waiting to basically be released. So it, it definitely could vary. All right, so I, I got a question for you. Like, what's that mental preparation for getting ready for this? Like, what was that like? Were you a little nervous going into the schooling before you started schooling? And can you explain to the listeners what schooling is like? Um, so schooling, depending on your airline, it could be four to six weeks. Um, most airlines, they'll send you to headquarters, which for my company, it was in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um you are, even if you stay like in that city, because I, I lived in Dallas previous to this and I still have family there. And so I was thinking, oh, you know, I can just chill and go home to my family. At the end of the day, I have really good friends in Dallas. It's super strict. You have to stay on campus. You cannot leave. Um, they have like literally classes like a 10 hour day every single day for, you know, the four to six weeks. Um, and the day it might start at like 6 a.m., like not waking up at 6 a.m., but like you're in class 6 a.m. and you don't leave till like 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m. in the evening. Um, you literally learn 
every single thing there is to learn about being in the air, operating a plane. Um, and you have to think about it when you're flying in the sky, you don't have a firefighter or a doctor or a nurse. So we're trained to be all those things at once, you know? Um, so it is intense because like sometimes the drills, you know, evacuation drills and stuff, they will demonstrate it to us the day before. And then we will have to like learn it that night and practice it soon as we get back to the hotel, which mind you, we could be getting back to the hotel around like four or five, 6 p.m. at night and then have to be back up and in training, you know, at 6 a.m. But when we come back the next day, we're then tested verbatim on those drills and stuff. And then not only um, is it that you also have like um handwritten tests and computer tests like it's super intense it's super intense no like I, I was watching some videos uh I was watching some videos on TikTok and they was talking about like the training and like they were talking about like um like one of the training I don't know if you had to do it but they were in a cage and they had to spin around like in water no so that was I know exactly what you're talking about but I believe that is like an international airline but you do have to like get in a pool pool and like pour yourself up on a raft and just demonstrate that you could, uh, you know, you can work as a team. And then as crazy as it sounds, like I say, we're literally prepared for any situation. So whether the plane will just drop and fall out of the sky, we have to know how to do a, la uh, a landing, you know, um, or what they call a water evacuation. So, I mean, you could be flying over a body of water and something can happen to the plane. So we have to, you know, we have to basically know how to swim and prove that if it came down to that, we could safely get everybody onto the raft, even people that may not know how to or feel comfortable swimming. So, I mean, when I say they prepare us for all types of situations, but for us, we didn't have to like go in a cage or anything. It's just so like, like a body of, you know, like a body of water, of a Olympic sized pool. So if a plane about to go down, what you do? You get down low? So <laughs> um, let's see if how I can give out the information without giving out the information because um, it's very strict um, about what we're allowed to share. So, I mean, you don't, you don't say too much. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if that were to happen, I mean, we will wait for the cue from the captain. And I mean, more than likely, they will notify us. So we, you know, nine times out of 10 is not going to be anything that's instant. But, you know, we might, we'll, we usually might know about 15 minutes before it's going to happen, usually. Um, so the pilots, uh, we, and that's another thing, we learn how to communicate very well and effectively because, you know, if the pilot is in the cockpit and we're trying to explain the situation going on in the cabin, they cannot see. So we literally have to be like very clear and thorough in what we're explaining to make sure that they're comprehending exactly what's going on back here, you know, because they cannot see anything. So when that happens and likewise with them, they, you know, if anything is going on up front, they have to clearly communicate that with us. So we know what's going on. But um, yeah, so the first thing that will happen is, um, you know, we'll, we'll take a call and we'll, you know, he'll give us a signal or he'll say, um, 
a cold word, a phrase. And from there, I, you know, I, thankfully for me, I've never had to like go through evacuation or anything um, on the line, um, but it is drilled into our heads so hard. And it's so much you have to learn because depending on the type of plane you're on, um, you know, is different. Like, okay, for instance, if we're doing a water landing, if you're on one type of aircraft, you could use the front doors, you know, um, or the the front exits but on another aircraft you might not be able to use the front exit because of the weight of how that plane is constructed so if you open those front doors it might actually make the plane drown so it's so much that goes into it um but yeah so that's that's basically it we'll wait for the queue but i've heard that once the emergency happens it's gonna automatically just instinctively kick in and I don't know because, you know, it's nothing that I practice. Every now and then I will like read over. Um, we have like a little tablet. So I will read over and just kind of refresh my memory because it's not anything I'm doing, um, you know, actively. Um, so I do go over and read it. And I do recall one time I was flying and we had had a long, long day. And I was in the A position, which was the front position. And the captain, it was like his go home day. But for me, it was like my day two or three. So I still had like a couple more days, but he was just so ready to be home. And I remember them saying that the plane was like overweight and, you know, hearing that that's not anything you want to take lightly. And so I took out my tablet and I'm like, let me just review it because if we go up, but we can't get up due to the weight balance issue, I'm going to have to evacuate this plane, you know, so it's it's a lot that goes into it. So and the tablet, the tablet, like an iPad or something. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's an iPhone. You yeah. just easily just search something real quick and it, like yeah. It, so like Google for you. Yeah. So like we have a a manual that's you know onto those phones and mm -hmm. you can't access it anywhere else. It has to be like downloaded on there due to privacy reasons. But um, yeah, it has all that information that we need. Oh, and what's the work-life balance? I know you kind of went over a little bit, but like, what's the work-life balance? Because I saw, I told you I was watching TikTok videos, um, and I saw with one lady, um, she was saying that you have the, the nine, you have nine hours to rest, but the clock starts as soon as that door opens. Yes, so um, for really for uh, federal regulations, um, it is supposed to be a 10-hour minimum rest period. Um, the airlines have gotten away with giving us like eight hours. Um, but if we request it, we can say, hey, I'm requesting my 10 hours per FAA guidelines. But I feel like the times that I have done that, like my company, you know, they kind of get me back later. So like, okay, yeah, you're getting 10 hours, but that next day, I promise you, I feel like I'm paying for it. Like my day is super long, you know? Um, so I try not to do that, but it is supposed to be 10, but due to like the shortage in staffings, um, the way they've been building like the lines and the reserves and everything, they're like, you know, giving us less time to sleep so that we'll have more flights and stuff to work throughout the day. Um, Pre-COVID, I've worked with flight attendants and they were like, oh yeah, we had, um, 
you know, we had like a 12 hour layover or a 24 hour layover and gone are those days. I cannot tell you when was the last time I had like a lost day, uh, which is essentially, you know, you get to a place and then um, you have a whole like the next day. You don't have to do any flying. You just stay in that um, whatever city you're in. And then you'll fly on like the third or fourth day. I think in my eight months of being a flight attendant, I probably had about three lost days with one being in Toronto, Canada, um, Colleen, Texas, and I can't remember the other place, but it's super rare. And for me, that was a major decision as to why I decided to leave the um, airline industry because I felt like my mental health was suffering. I felt like I didn't have that work-life balance. Um, and to me, that was super important. And um, I think like, what was that? It was probably about three weeks before like my final week and I actually quit. Um, I actually had to go to the hospital because I was super exhausted. Um, and I mean, it, it is a lifestyle change, you know? Um, some days you have to be up as early as like 2 a.m. and then you're going through all these time zones and everything. So like I said, I was based in Dallas, Texas. We were on the central time zone. And, you know, I've flown to Gainesville, Florida or Jacksonville and, you know, they're an hour ahead and that's not really like taken into account or converted. So like, I, I remember one time I was in one of those cities and somewhere in Florida and our flight got in at, I want to say about like 9 p.m. the previous night. I had to like be up, which they don't take this part in into consideration. I had to be up, um, I think by like 3.30 a.m. And then I had to be downstairs because um, usually you have to be downstairs for van time about an hour before the flight departs, depending on how far the airport is. Sometimes it's been as early as like an hour and a half. You have to be downstairs before the uh, flight departs. But Typically, it is about an hour before the flight departs, but they don't take into account that, okay, you have to be downstairs for van time at 4.30, so, you know, you probably woke up at least at 3.30 or 3. Um, so, I mean, it just, it just gets all screwed up, and then not only that, going back to... Um, going back to like the, when the time starts for your rest period. Um, it's been time soon, well, okay, so it starts soon as the flight lands, right? And like the passengers are off the plane, more than likely. Um, but it's been some times where we've landed and we don't have marshallers to bring in the plane. So we just sit on the runway. Um, it's been times when like the jet bridge has been broke and stuck so we can't open the door and get passengers off but at that point as soon as the wheels touch the ground they're already starting the clock you know so you then have to wait for all the, those issues to be resolved and then you know you walk out get to your van sometimes we've had it where the van has been late or you know uh, due to COVID you know the shortage that short staffing shortages are like all over so um, it's been times where I've arrived to the airport and we don't have nobody to come pick us up. We've had to call a taxi, you know, but they don't take into account those, you know, those outliers or other factors that might happen and cut into like our arrest period. So it was, it was very difficult. And I know like for me, 
um, you know, and like a lot of people, they have this idea that this life is just super glamorous and all this stuff. And don't get me wrong, it's really, really fun, really nice, but it also is work. It's really work. It really is work. Yeah, I was looking at um, like I said, six once again, and uh, I was all the the videos made it seem like oh, it's just so glamorous. But it was that one lady that I saw, and she was explaining the the bad things about it. And that's one thing, the work-life balance. Um, she said it was kind of messed up um, mm-hmm. as far as the work-life balance. But, like, what's, the, what's like, the craziest airport you've seen? Mm-hmm. The weirdest. The weirdest. Um, let's see. To be honest, I don't know, because, like, after our long days, I'm just it might sound crazy but like I just have tunnel vision and I'm like just trying to get to that van um and then another thing that you might not know so like say if we're flying four or five flights a day we never step foot off the aircraft until like our last flight of the day so like although we go to like all these places or we're flying all these places throughout the day we mostly never step foot off the aircraft into that very last uh, layover or, you know, that very last flight of the day. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I have like, when we land, I'm usually by that point, like so tired and I'm just dragging my suitcase yeah, and I'm trying to get out the door. So what you eat? So you got to eat airplane food all day. <laughs> Man, I live off pretzels and those cookies. Um, and it's so hard because like me, when you start off, you're going to be reserved. And so reserve, you don't have a schedule. You don't know where you're going. And so um, it's hard to meal prep because like, say, if you go to Mexico or DR, you're not allowed to take food into those countries. So like, say, if you get called for one of those trips, you're just wasting food and you have to throw it out, you know? So, excuse me, it's very hard to like prepare. And so I used to do a lot of like, you know, fruit cups or like cookies and crackers and stuff like that. But a lot of my money went towards eating out and I would like just eat at, you know, like eat at the airport if I had time, call them and tell them I need a meal break. Or like once I got to my layover destination, you know, I'll just, I wouldn't eat the entire morning. And then I just eat at the end of the day. Um, Because like I said, sometimes you have those early calls where you have to be up 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And breakfast is not open and served at the hotel because, you know, it usually doesn't start to like between six and seven eight yeah. you know so those days I'm literally not eating anything and like I might take a well a hack for me that I've learned I'll take oatmeal because oatmeal is like very inexpensive but that was one thing I could like make on the plane because we have hot water and so I would just you know I would eat a lot of oatmeal because it was very light to pack and like I said if I did end up going to like Mexico or wherever where I had to like discard all my food and everything I wouldn't be like out of so much money you know yeah um like back to the word, like could you could you see it's a question I skipped over? Could you see where like uh this job that job will lead to people having addictions? Oh yeah, all types of addictions. Uh, you know, whether it be prescription, um, alcohol, um, and even like suicide. I don't think people realize that is a high it's a high rate within the airline industry. And actually it is a couple like pages and one that I specifically like is therapy. Um, And they spell it like T-H-A-I-R-P-Y. 
um, it's a really good resource for flight crew, anybody just in the aviation industry. Um, but it is tough. And I mean, you think about it, like you're gone away alone from family for long periods of times. Like I, I would work and be staying in a different city about 20 to 21 nights a month. And then like on my off days, I would either be one too exhausted to like fly to go see my family or, you know, I just couldn't get home to see them. And so like, I would just chill out back at my crib in Texas or whatever, but isolated, you know what I'm saying? Like you see people throughout the day, but it's, it's a difference, if that makes sense. And I mean, I don't have any kids or anything, but I just can imagine trying to balance this life while being a mother or, you know, a wife or anything. And in this moment, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of sacrifice. You miss a lot of good things. You miss holidays. Like literally those are non-existent until you become like senior enough. I know it's people I've flown with that have worked, you know, they're like on year 15, year 20, and they haven't been able to hold like Christmas off or Thanksgiving off. So it's a different like lifestyle, life, life adjustment. So like, how was COVID like with the mask, everybody coming back? Was that weird? <laughs> that was super weird. Um, I had never worked as a flight attendant pre-COVID, but like post-COVID, I can tell you it was a mess. You have people that just didn't believe it existed. And I mean, it wasn't like, I think the hardest part for people to understand, it wasn't me, myself, being mean and forcing this. This is like federal regulations, you know, FAA. This is a government order. And so, you know, they could come on the planes and we don't know, like, you know, they'll just be dressed up casual and everything. We wouldn't know. And like, if they didn't see us like enforcing that, or if somebody was wearing a mask or not wearing a mask rather, that would reflect on us, you know, we could get in trouble. And so I think a lot of people's gripe was, towards the flight attendants as if it's, you know, our decision, our rule. But, you know, we are just there trying to enforce our, you know, enforce the rules of our job. Like, that was really tough. I remember one time I actually um, had to have security meet us at a gate and we were flying to Louisiana. I don't remember, probably New Orleans or something, but we were flying to Louisiana and um, I had a guy who refused to wear his mask. And this had to be around like February. It had to be around February before they dropped the mask mandate. Um, because I know originally, even with the mask mandate, it was supposed to be over and dropped, I think, as early as like the end of January, then February. And they just kept pushing that date back or whatever until eventually they dropped it. But um, during this time, the mask mandate was still fully in effect. and he thought he was just gonna bully me and you know like I say we go through training through all types of stuff and so um he even like got up and walked towards the back where I was sitting and you know just talking to me and you know like I just pretty much was ignoring him but I also I won't say I felt threatened but I was prepared in the case that he tried to do anything I was going to be ready so I had a um a ice mallet and I said, if he did anything, I was just going to swing on him. But uh, yeah, we, we had to have police meet us at the gate to, um, to take him off. And as far as I know, he's unable to like fly American Airlines ever in his life. So 
I don't know. It, it's not worth it. So American American Airlines pretty good. If if somebody act like that towards one of the attendants, that you now you get banned off rip. For the most part, <laughs> I I mean like for me, I had several witnesses, and I think that helped in that case. Um, but I know people who have had issues, and nothing has been done about it. So I will say in that uh, in my case. Um, you know, people were complaining once we landed, like, yeah, no, she didn't do anything. Not that I asked them to say anything on my behalf, but they just saw how aggressive he was, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I, I feel like if you get a, enough bad press, they'll do something about it. Yeah, man. So, um, closing out, not cursing, man. Once again, I want to appreciate, tell you, I appreciate you for coming on, dog, um, and talking about this, because I, I, just like you said, your, your your cousin said you ought to get into it. I would see you see you fly. I'm like, dang, dog, why don't she be a flight attendant? And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, she is a flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great, dang, that's freaking crazy, bro. And like hearing your stories, man. Um, the one thing that kind of got me was, and it kind of is really interesting. I really want to. I'm gonna finish watching that that TV show. I started watching it. It, it was crazy like the first couple uh see first couple like minutes of is real crazy so i cut it off i ain't feel like watching it uh-huh. i'm gonna go back and watch it but the addiction part um and mental health like um if you want to speak about some of the things and ways you can attack mental health man and, and try to shake it off for you what, what's type of some of the things that you see are good to kind of shake off mental health I kind of attack it. You know, all of this, especially pre-COVID, um, this is new, everybody trying to adjust and, you know, just get used to it. Um, the economy now with inflation and everything um, is it's very important to like take a step back, breathe and take some time for yourself. Um, I'm very, very big. And I think what has helped me a lot and deal with a lot of issues that come up in my life is therapy. I've been doing therapy since maybe like 2016, 2017. Um, and I just think it's important for everybody to have like that outlet. Um, how I got into therapy, it was something, you know, at first I thought was so stupid, but, um, like I said, I went to FSU. I was like, a scholar student like I think in my entire academic career from kindergarten up until now I've only ever received a C one single C in my life everything else has either been an A or a B um and I recall um for my statistics class which was my major um I was supposed to do like this project and it was worth like 63 percent of my grade or something like huge but I knew if I failed it like I was gonna fail that class and you know I was just like oh no I can't have this and so we had like a month and a half to like work on it and we had to like do this presentation and all this stuff fast forward um I had been trying to get with my group members like, hey, at this time I was working at Publix, I was part of BSU, you know, I was studying, trying to get into do stuff for law school because this was my last semester of college. And um, I just remember being like so overwhelmed and I had a panic attack. Like I was in a different class um, and I don't even remember the class I was in, but I was in class and I had this panic attack and I just felt like, my heart was going to explode out of my body. I was like sweaty and I had never experienced this. And so like, I went to the doctor, let them know. And they were like, oh, sounds like you had like 
an anxiety attack. And I'm like, okay. And then the first thing they wanted to do was like, put me on some medicine. And, you know, like, I'm not a person that's ever been on a lot of medicines and I'm not comfortable being on a lot of medicines. Um, so, you know, I'm like, hey, what are some other alternatives that we can try? I was like, you know, I know exactly what was the cause of this panic attack. It was just that I felt like my group members never wanted to meet up and, you know, I was just going to fail the project. Like I knew exactly the whole reason I was having a panic attack. And they were like, oh, well, you know, if you don't want to try the medicine, um, we can do therapy. And, you know, from that, that's how I got into therapy. And I've been seeing a therapist literally like once a week, sometimes as, as much as four times a week. It just depends on what's going on in my life. Um, but no, I think it is good for everybody, no matter what your occupation is, where you are in life, you know, just have that outlet. Um, because especially after COVID, you know, being cooped up in the house for two years um, and everything, but whether it be journaling, reading, I know for me, like last week, I ordered like 15 books that I've just been wanting to read that's been on my list. And, you know, I've started some of them. Well, I started one of them the other day. And, you know, that's like a positive outlet for me. Another thing that I do, I journal daily, although I can say um, I haven't been doing it the past few months. Um, and I, I started journaling back in like 2011. And even that's crazy to see because I mean, every single day, like I write something. Um, but yeah, no, just, you know, with everything going on in the world, you just have to Make sure you're taking care of yourself, talking to somebody. Actually, in 2020, I lost a cousin to suicide. Um, and it was so hard because, like, exactly three weeks to that, I had lost a cousin who was murdered by her uh, ex-boyfriend. And then this cousin, um, I guess he couldn't take or deal with everything with her murder. He committed suicide. And, you know, we look back on the pictures of us at, the cousin's funeral, the one that was killed by her ex-boyfriend and my cousin Tyler that committed the suicide, he just looked so happy. And I mean, it just killed us because nobody had any idea, any clue. Um, so if you are ever, ever, ever feeling like giving up, struggling, whatever the case may be, you can reach out to me, even if I don't know you, like branding and leak you to my IG, I can give you my number whatever it is like if you need somebody to talk to I am here um if you have friends please reach out to them and not only that if you feel you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody else um you know reach out to the suicide line and they just changed it from that long 10 digit number to 988 so mm -hmm. all you have to do call 988 and talk to somebody but don't hold it in don't let it build up you know and, you know, Kirsten, man, I told you about my cousin um, in Jacksonville, but I didn't know about the suicide thing. I had a cousin, man, um, John Shea. He came into Publix one night, and <laughs> he and he came into Publix. I dapped him up and everything. And that night, he killed himself. Oh, my goodness. And what year was this? This was in 20, 2011. Oh, my goodness. 20, uh, tw uh, 20, 2012, I think, because I use it. I use, I shouldn't say that, but I don't know what, what I use it for. But I use I use it for a password, his name mm -hmm. for a password in the year. I think it's 2012. Um, he passed away, but 
I just, might have been, I can't really, I can't remember. It was 2011, 2012. But yeah, he came into Publix and then I saw him. I doubted him up. He was just standing there uh, by the red box and uh, I doubted him up and everything. I think we had a blockbuster at the time in the store. That was when like we was, everybody was trying to figure out what the rental box thing was. Mm-hmm. Like. So I think we had blockbuster, but he was, he was in there and I doubted him up and everything. Like I had a customer. I was, oh, snap, John Shay, hey, man, what up? And I doubted him up and he talked for a little bit then. Went on by this, uh, he went on outside about his business or whatever, and then that night he, he killed himself. And I woke up the next morning and seen like my homeboy Will, um, shout out to Will here. He texted me and told me, and I was like, What in the world, bro? I just saw him last night, yeah. but yeah, man, it, it's sad because you, you never really know, man. Never know, never know, never know. never know, man. That's why we always say on smoke screen therapy, for, it's therapy for me. Hope it's therapy for you, dog. Get that therapy, dog. Um. I, I took, I ain't never really said this. I took therapy. Um, my mom put me in therapy when I was in, I just graduated high school. I mm-hmm. went, for, it was a dude up here in Tallahassee, um, Dr. Brown. Matter of fact, um, you know, the lady, uh, that was the, you remember Ms. Rita? That was at yeah, it's in the pharmacist. Yes. Her, her husband. He's oh. like, a, yeah, he's like a, a, a big, um, a big uh therapist here in Tallahassee. Okay. Yeah. Um. But he, he I think he's retired now. But uh, I forgot wow. his name, Doctor Brown. But yeah, he um he was my therapist for a little. I went like once or twice. Uh. But yeah, uh-huh. man, that, that therapy dog. I, I journal too, man. Uh. How many books do you have? Uh. As far as oh, journal, you keep man. one book. Are you? So you like, what I'll do, I'll just go buy like this a big book from like um. TJ Maxx or Marshalls and I couldn't tell you how many pages it has but like each book I can probably write like a year and a half uh worth of like daily thoughts or whatever and it's so crazy because when I first started journaling it really started out as me like oh I feel like I can learn something every day you know and then um I was like I just write it down so if I learned a new word or whatever the case was like I would just write that down and then um it progressed to me like I you know I think one day I was like watching Netflix and chilling I was like you know what I don't feel like I learned anything so let me just write down something that I'm grateful for and so it's been so crazy to see like when I first started I literally would write like one sentence two sentence today I learned or I learned this word and this is how you use it in a sentence whatever the case may be till now like for a day I can write up to four pages so it's so so crazy so crazy but yeah I have I honestly couldn't tell you how many books I have um, because I have some of them put away in storage. And like when I moved to uh, Dallas, you know, I didn't want to like take stuff back and forth. So like I have some stuff locked away in my mom's house um, with all my journals and stuff. And every now and then what I'll do, like at the end of the year, uh, I'll go back and read everything from the beginning of the year. And it's so amazing because like I'm able to see my growth and stuff. And some things like I never thought I would like make it through, you know, like when you're coming up on the situation, the mountain just looks so, so huge, you know, and it looks impossible to climb. But then, you know, you you go back years later and you read the journal and you was like, oh, that was just a little pothole. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't really a mountain. What was I stressing about? And I'll tell you one thing that comes to mind. Um, a few years ago, I was reading back on my journal <laughs> and I was like, 
you know, college is so hard. I'm gonna just drop out and just work at Publix for the rest of my life. Now, you know, <laughs> you know how much I hated Publix. So I don't know. We weren't gonna I... let you do that, bro. I don't even do know that. what was so horrible in my life at that time where I was just like, college is so hard. I'm just gonna drop out and just work at Publix for the rest of my life and mm, be content, you know? Like when I read it, I, I couldn't even think of what possibly could have been happening during that time you know what I'm saying so it's so crazy so crazy and another thing I want to add real quick um I think who you talk to as a therapist especially as a African-American it matters um so like when I first started therapy after that whole college uh incident right um I was talking to you know a little real nice white lady or whatever but I just felt like on certain things we couldn't relate and I remember like telling her a story and I was like acting out what had happened like just trying to explain the whole situation and I was like you know what and she was like bye Felicia and you know she was like bye Felicia and I'm like okay bye Felicia you know I had to like go all out on a tangent to explain what bye Felicia meant you know and so then I was just like you know it's so important that I find a therapist that looks like me and so like currently I have two therapists actually right now um so if I can't get in touch with one of them I have the other one on speed dial but um you know, both of my therapists are black and I can say that also helps a great deal. And so like, if you're a female, you need a therapist, uh, I would say check out therapy for black, black girls. And then if you're a guy, um, they have therapy for black men. And then if you really don't care if you see a male or a female, um, psychology today is a really good, um, tool to use to find a black therapist in your area. Yeah, man, I had tried to find one a couple months ago, and then uh, it was, I was trying, I was like, all right, this, she like, she the best one in Tallahassee. Uh-huh. I signed up for it, kind of find out, I, it was in, like, February, kind of found out she had uh, filled up for that, for my insurance. I'm oh, like, my God, dog, bro, it's only February, and everybody had already signed up for it, she had already met a quota for it, man, Um, but yeah, uh, I was how, how hard was it, how hard was it to find your therapist? after that was it was it hard to find one after that uh that incident with the other one uh so like after that so I I think I started that therapy in 2017 so I knew that I was about to move to Dallas Texas I was like instead of starting over sharing my whole life story with somebody else and I know I'm about to move I'll just continue with her so I continued with her for about about 10 or 11 months then I moved to Dallas but when I moved to Dallas I made the promise to myself that I wanted a black therapist and that you know if I didn't like somebody I was going to give them two sessions and if I didn't like them I was just going to go and find somebody else um but my therapist the very first one and I had a list and I had did research like I, I did a lot of work but my first therapist that I tried I was like, I'm gonna try her. But when I tell you our first session, it was like, it was meant to be. And I have not found anybody comparable to her. Like she is literally the best. Um, And then after 2020, um, after my cousin Tia was murdered, I moved from Dallas and I came back to Alabama to like be with family and stuff. And my therapist in Texas, she would see me because, of course, everything went virtual. But then, like, I want to say around, like, 
October of that year, October 2020, um, they were telling her like, okay, you can't see her anymore if she's outside of the state of Texas. So um, I had to like find another therapist. And so when I found a therapy therapist here in Alabama, um, before I settled on this lady, I had tried like five other people and I like gave them the boot you know and I mean it wasn't like okay sit in a session I don't like you let me find somebody else because I really tried but like they just were not doing it for me um and so she was like the sixth therapist that I had tried and by this time you know it was COVID and everything and like I say this was October November-ish of 2020 and so everything was still like at the height of the pandemic everything was virtual so um you know, I just, I, I just typed in my insurance, see if they accept it. And, you know, we'll have our sessions and everything, but it, it took me a while to find her, but I think I found her. I found her either on therapy for black girls or psychology today. That's good, Kirsten, man. Um, that's real good. Though. It's, I think it's a lot of, you know, every, every, every couple generations, we have some type of enlightenment period and I think right now a lot of black folks getting into this therapy they really talking about talking about their feelings man uh it's, that's why I started the podcast though you gotta shoot if they trying to mute us with the books if they trying to mute our voice then shoot talk your talk your stuff because somebody else living it too and it's, it's gonna help somebody else getting exactly. out your word man exactly and while we're here i also want to congratulate you on 100 episodes that is so major oh, she appreciate that, bro. i remember when you um, started or whatever and um to see you like continue to stick with it like that's that's been really dope yeah, yeah trying to do something with something dog but curse man what books you be reading bro what's some of the books you be reading um i read some of everything right now i'm like getting into a lot of the self-help books um i seen you with that atomic habits man yeah yeah so that's on my list um i have like anti nine to five because your girl honestly ain't trying to work <laughs> um what else i have on my list uh i think how to be here um mastery of love and that he he has a lot of good books um his I know everybody's probably heard of him but the uh, the fifth agree or the four agreements and then he has a sequel to that one which is the, Ooh, well I was oh. reading that one today dog really I had I heard the audio version of it only they had yeah. like all the, the whole book on YouTube when I said and listen to it today yeah that's a book a book that I go back and I I read um I his name is like McGill uh I forget. Ruiz or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that, Miguel Ruiz. Um, and like I said, the fourth agreements are four agreements. I'm sorry. Uh, the four agreements. That's a book that like I go back and I would just read every year. And then um, I read the sequel, the fifth agreement. And then I also ordered um, like I ordered last week, 15 books on Amazon. I'm like, I got to get back to reading. Um, and so he also have the mastery of love and the mastery of self. So uh, those are two additions I look forward to reading. Um, what else did I get? I got, like you said, the atomic habits, uh, the defining decades and why your 20s matters and how to make the most of it. Um, whatever you think, think the opposite, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck how to be here and then um the art of zen or quality of zen or something like that is called so 
I'm excited. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had uh Dr. Trinessa Williams. She's uh she owns a uh, Kizzy Books and More, uh, Books and More out of Orlando, an online book. I see that link. I guess I ordered a couple books from her. But dog, mm-hmm. I, I, we're gonna get off real quick. But uh, I'm gonna ask you this: But how much is religion and being close to God kind of helped you being that high up in the air, man? You you up that high up in the air <laughs> planes. And your religion got to be just strong. Yeah, man. oh yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you know, anything can happen at any time. I'll just say that. So like before every flight, I'm praying, you know, for the safety of not only me, but the passengers, uh, the pilots, and then the people in the air traffic control crew room who are, who's got in the planes, you know. Um, about two weeks ago, I think it was, I had read an article where, aircraft control and I want to say I can't recall where this was maybe like in China or something but it was like an American plane it was like a United or American airline plane with like a a international airline or something but they were like literally about to crash and it was the pilot who caught that and was able to maneuver around because he saw it on like his radar but air uh, traffic control they were telling him to like descend and go lower and you know had he listened to them that would have been like a huge fatality uh so you know I I always just start even even when I'm not flying I start my day off with a prayer um but definitely while I'm flying um you know because it is so much that can go on like I say I'm so very thankful that I've never ever had like any type of emergency but you know I know friends who've had medical emergencies on board um just a few weeks ago uh spirit landing in Miami the um tires or something the wheels when they were coming down they they lost control and caught uh fire um so you know these crazy things you hear about and see they are very much real so is is very important to stay prayed up, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. And what's next? What's next for Kirsten? Uh, what's next for you? You know, I don't even know. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I really, really love flight attending. Like, really do. But like I say, right now the work life balance. And then another thing I didn't talk to you about, um, which I think is very important to cover, is the pay being a flight attendant. So, I mean, on paper, it looks like, okay, yeah, we get paid very good, right? But then you have to take into uh, consideration or account that we are only uh, paid when the airplane is in the sky. So, like, when the wheels go up. And then when they come down, that's the only time we're being paid. When people are boarding the aircraft, putting their luggage up, taking the luggage off, the the clock stops. We're not being paid. So with all the flying and stuff in air, it only amounts to about 75 hours a month. Most people work about, what, 160, 180 hours a month? You know, so 75 hours a month, that's nothing, you know? Um, so for me, that was also a major decision as to why I decided to leave because, you know, I was working, 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 but then although I was working, I still felt like I didn't have any money, money, money. And I was like, you know, I can't be stressed out, tired, missing out on holidays. I wasn't able to use my flight benefits um, because everything right now is oversold. Everybody's so excited to get back to traveling um, since like November. 
you you you're just not able to get on a flight unless you're like waiting at the airport all day or like you know doing a stop and connecting somewhere else to try to get to your destination it was just too much work and it wasn't worth it for me um but I will say I genuinely do enjoy that job um and last year sometime I applied for like my number one airline choice and I actually got an offer so now I am debating if I want to go back into the airline industry or if I want to continue to chill and do what I'm doing um but we'll see just have to stay tuned and find out that's good Kirsten man once again I told you like I told you before and I always tell you I'm proud of you dog you're Thanks. doing a great job out here, bro. I really am proud of you. We all are. Uh, that's another great episode of Smoke Screen Podcast. Man, Kirsten, if you want to have any lasting words you want to say, man, um, or, and what song you want to end it out with today? I want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, like I said, if anybody ever needs to reach out to me for anything, any questions as it pertains to the uh, flight attendant or aviation industry, uh, Brandon can link my Instagram. Um, but yeah, thank you. And then to end this and close this out, we're going to introduce Kendrick Lamar, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. All right, y'all. Y'all be easy, man. Appreciate y'all once again. All right. Thank you for having me. Bye. Probably gonna sin again Lord forgive me Lord forgive me Things I don't understand Sometimes I need to be alone Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe I can feel your energy from two planets away I got my drink, I got my music I will share it but today I'm coming Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe, bitch don't kill my vibe Look inside of my soul and you can find gold and maybe get rich Look inside of your soul and you can find out it never exists I can feel the changes, I can feel a new life I always knew life can be dangerous I can say that I like a challenge and you to me is painless You don't know what pain is how can I paint this picture when the colorblind is hanging with ya? Fell on my face and I woke with a scar Another mistake living deep in my heart Wear it on top of my sleeve in a flick I can admit that it did look like yours Why you resent every making of his? Tell me your purpose is petty again But even a small light can burn a bridge Even a small light can burn a bridge I can feel the changes I can feel the new people around me just wanna be famous You can see that my city found me then put me on stages To me that's amazing to you, that's a quick check with all disrespect. Let me say this, say this, say this. I am a sinner who's probably gonna sin again. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. I can feel your energy from two planets away I got my drink, I got my music, I will share it with today Bitch don't kill my vibe, bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe, bitch don't kill my vibe I'm trying to keep it alive and I compromise the feeling we love You're trying to keep it deprived and only co-sign what radio does And I'm looking right past you We live in a world, we live in a world on two different axles 
You live in a world, you're living behind the mirror I know what you're scared of, the feeling, the feeling, emotions inferior This shit is vital, I know you had to This shit is vital, I know you had to Die in a pitiful pain, tell me you're watching a chain It's way more believable, give me a feasible game Rather her seasonal name, I'll let the people know This is something you can blame, on yourself you can remain Stuck in a box, I'ma break out and then hide every lock I'ma break out and then hide every lock I can feel the changes, I can feel the new people around me Just wanna be famous that my city found me, then put me on stages To me, that's amazing To you, that's a quick check With all disrespect, let me say this, say this, say this. I am a sinner Who's probably gonna sin again Lord, forgive me Lord, forgive me Things I don't understand Sometimes I need to be alone Bitch, don't kill my vibe Bitch, don't kill my vibe I can feel your energy from two planets away I got my drink, I got my music, I will share it But today I'm running, bitch don't kill my vibe 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 You ain't heard the coast like this in a long time Don't you see that long time? And they waiting on Kendrick like the first and the fifteenth Threes in the air, I can see you are